Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. So last time we talked, UConn had just signed AZ Fudd, the number one player in the class of 2021, and also officially signed their the rest of their 2021 class. Pretty much the immediate day after we recorded and put out the pod, Gino Oriama met with the media and kind of talked about the class as a whole, about AZ specifically, and then hit on a number of topics. So we've got a lot to talk about today. First, we just need to make a couple corrections. So for their names, we're not super sure about their names last time. It's Amari DeBerry, which is very disappointing that that doesn't rhyme, but Amari DeBerry. <laughs> and then Sailor Poffin Barger, not Barger. Those are the two ones. Caroline Ducharm and AZ Futter both pretty easy on their own but a more oh god now i'm messing up them and i'm just correcting them a mary no, <laughs> mari deberry and sailor poffenbarger before we get into the signing day stuff we finally got a schedule for bubbleville at mohegan sun which means we have dates for the first dates and times for the first three yukon women's basketball games so the season opener against quinnipiac is going to be Obviously, November 28th, Saturday. It's going to be at 12.30. There initially wasn't a TV broadcast announced for it, but today I went on my guide, looked on SNY, and it seems like SNY is going to carry the game. And then if you listen to our podcast with Meg Colmo, she seemed to mention that SNY was going to have that game as well. So seems to be a pretty safe bet that the Quinnipiac game will be on SNY. And a handful of people have asked me this on Twitter, and i just like to say I don't know the answer to this, but... They were asking if the SNY games are going to be streamed online because in the past, the games that were on SNY, if you lived out of the market, you could still watch them on ESPN3. I would be surprised if those games still weren't online in some capacity. It might just get moved to a Fox broadcasting or streaming service. It could still be on ESPN3. I'm not totally positive, but I'm sure we'll find that out in the near future. The next game, Maine Mississippi State, Assuming UConn wins and plays Mississippi State in the final, that's going to be at 3 p.m. on ESPN. And then December 4th against Louisville, that's going to be Friday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. So at least we're finally getting a little bit of clarity about when some of these games are going to be and how we're going to be able to watch them if we can't watch them in person. Though Megan is luckily going to be in the stands watching as a member of the media, I'm still waiting back to hear on that, but so we'll at least have one representative there, but again, nice to actually finally have some concrete dates and times into the schedule. So moving on to signing day, as I said, Gino Ariama met with the media, talked about a signing class as a whole, went into some of the individual players and then hit on a couple other topics. So the first thing he mentioned was expectations and obviously Gino Ariama doesn't live in the world of hyper potentially he is pretty focused on results so he wasn't really having any possible comparisons to the Stewie era or if this could be the next great UConn team because it they haven't even played a game yet Paige Beckers hasn't even played a game yet for UConn but he spent like the first 10 minutes kind of trying to knock down expectations and say oh well you can never tell with how good we are but he closed it out with the comment that when UConn teams have really, really good talent and have recruiting classes this good, they're usually 
really, really good, which is what we mentioned last week. So it seems like even if Gino doesn't want to say it publicly, he's expecting these two classes that he's just brought in to help set the foundation for the next UConn dynasty. Yeah, for sure. And I think that makes sense, right? I think we kind of heard it from AZ when she signed to that talking about kind of a lot of why she picked UConn was to become the best player that she could be. And then UConn just has such a reputation for when you they have top talent, developing that talent and winning. So I don't think there's any ex- reason to expect that it would be any different in this situation. Um, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, try to temper expectations. I think we do it a little bit too, because you never know. You just don't know with recruiting. But if even if the, I think Paige and AZ live up to kind of half the hype that they've gotten so far, they're going to be really good players at UConn. Right. Like we said, they have a lot of room for error with who they've brought in. They've got so much talent at so many different spots that even if they miss on a couple players, there's still other people that are going to be in the mix to come in and help the team out. So another thing that he mentioned was that the last few years, he kind of felt like the team had gotten away from having that staple of versatility and flexibility within the roster where they could stick someone at a couple of different positions. He felt they had become a little too binary where one player has to play in this position and one player has to play in this position. And one thing he mentioned was that with this class specifically, he really likes the versatility that they bring. And he thinks that each player can contribute in a lot of different ways and help and I know he pointed out kind of specifically with Sailor Poffenbarger where she's a guard, but he thinks she could play a couple different spots and is just a player that I know it sounds simple, but is just going to be able to help the team by being on the floor. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. I think we see it a little bit kind of in some of the like some of this roster, like you have a player like Aubrey Griffin that can kind of play in a handful of spots, but it has been a while since there's kind of been another player like that I mean Gabby Williams was that type of player could you could probably stick her anywhere and she would have figured out what to do but it's been a while since UConn's had a player that's kind of excelled and jumping in where they need to be Um, so kind of having multiple players that can do that is a huge advantage especially because you know basketball has become less more and more positionless at this point so it's not so much about who has the best point guard and who has the best uh, like center or whatever it's just who has the best five players that can kind of combine in some positions on the floor and that's who's going to have the best team. Right. And I think we see that a little bit with the Barry too, where she draws those comparisons to Nelson Adota as a athletic, strong, big down low, but she's also been hyped as having this range and this ability to step out and shoot threes. So if you've got a player with that size that isn't locked down to that low post with her back to the basket and she can step out and stretch the defense a little bit, that makes the offense 10 times more dangerous than before. And especially, and even if you have a player that's really, really good down low, even if like Nafisa Collier is a good example is that most of her points, if not like 95% of them came from in the paint or right near the paint, that Notre Dame game in the final four specifically, she hits that huge three in the waning minutes to tie the game and, she had that threat to shoot from outside that made defenses at least respect it, which made her be that much better on the inside. Exactly. And I think that's such a big part of why Collier has been so successful so quickly in the WNBA is she added that three point shot even more when she got to that level. And now yeah, teams have to guard her underneath the hoop and they also have to guard her on the perimeter. So it just makes her kind of like a threat from no matter where she is on the floor. So the more players you have like that, like Big Zach can shoot is just like a really hard player to guard for any team. So 
that type of advantage is just going to be huge for UConn when they add that. Caroline Ducharm, he mentioned she's a big guard that can shoot from three and pretty much the exact type of player that they loved bringing in that they haven't had in a little while. You think of Katie Lou Samuelson. She's the one name that comes to mind. I'm blanking on that in the moment. But again, what we saw from Katie Lou Samuelson later in her career, Gino wanted her to get down low more and get more involved in the low post and get in rebounding and have a more outside in game compared to just being stuck on the three point line to launch up shots. And I don't know if he totally was able to get that out of her, even though there were flashes where she looked better on the inside. It was never a consistent presence. So I can totally see Gino starting to push that with Ducharm as well, where you've got so much versatility and so many just bodies at the guard position that early on it might actually do her more good to try and get a track on into playing time as I guess what you'd call a small forward or even a stretch forward to maybe spell Aubrey Griffin or Mir McLean in that kind of similar spot. Yeah, agreed. Especially just looking at who she's behind for minutes in terms of guys, you're going to have Paige, you're going to have AZ, you're going to have Kristen still for a year. So there's a, a lot of competition for minutes kind of in those backcourt spots, but then, you know, a little bit less maybe per se in that kind of wing spot. So she can, add the rebounding aspect to her game get inside she has the height to do it so it could be a big advantage for them yeah and I think she's a player that even though she's ranked number five by ESPN I still kind of feel like she's running under the radar like obviously AZ gets all the attention which is understandable because she's the number one recruit and she's supposed to be this generational talent but I still feel like Caroline's potential and abilities are a little understated right now just because pretty much every single report that comes out about her is better than the last and I I just don't think she's getting the attention that she necessarily deserves despite how good she is right and I think that's something that kind of just comes with the territory of like the amount of attention that like players like Paige and AZ have gotten like there's just so much hype around them and then it feels like kind of the rest of the class there's just like crickets basically I think right even in like l- this last class like Paige got some type and then Haley Von Leith who was actually like the number seven recruit but also probably the one that you've heard about the most was got a fair amount of attention she's at Louisville this season and then I mean like the rest of the class unless you're paying attention you haven't heard much about them um, so I feel like this is probably a similar case right with the 2021 class AZ has just gotten obviously an overwhelming amount of attention and then you really haven't heard a whole ton unless you're paying close attention to the like recruiting circuit about the rest of these players. You've got like the second, third and fourth players that all went to South Carolina, but you haven't heard a ton about them or that class too much either. I feel like so it's um, I think maybe just part of the territory with the amount of hype that these number one recruits are getting. Right. And in fairness, when Caroline committed, she was the number 41 player in ESPN's ranking. And she only jumped up to number one when, or to number five, sorry. She only jumped up to number five when ESPN overhauled and brought in a new system for evaluating prospects. So it is a little more understandable, but I think she could be, obviously, I would expect if we're doing pseudo 2021 class rankings, I think AZ's probably the best shot to be the best player in that class but I think Caroline could be 
a pretty huge star for UConn. I think she's got that exact skill set that Gino and his staff really, really like that can just thrive really well in their system. For sure. And like, as much as like, it seems like, you know, the one, number one recruits get the most attention, like number five is still really high up there. I mean, Olivia Nelson Dota was number five recruit. So for perspective, like it's still kind of the type of recruit that should get attention. I think it just comes down to like the amount of attention that women's recruiting gets in general. But um, yeah, she definitely has potential to be a really strong player for this team and fits into the system well, I think. Obviously, we haven't talked much about AZ Fudd. We spent a lot of time on her last week, but Gino obviously seems pretty high on her. Like we talked about the Steph Curry quote last week where he meant he likened her jump shot to Ray Allen and who was it? Clay Thompson. Gino also said that pretty much the first thing you notice when you watch her game is every single shot she takes goes in. So I think the fact that one of the best basketball players in the world and the best basketball coach in the world, both talking that highly about her jump shot, it can't just be attributed to hype at that point. Right. Those are two people's opinions that you're definitely trusting in the basketball world. So it's, it's gotta be really good. Um, Yeah. I don't have any questions that her jump shot is probably going to be one of the best that we've seen. (laughs) Yeah. And then I also liked his quote where he said that, AZ and Paige don't really feel pressure. They just want to win. It seems like her and Paige, well, obviously their friendship's very well documented and they're both the number one players in the class. They seem to have these really similar mindsets where, yeah, they may be very highly touted, but literally all they want to do is win. And I think AZ said that a bunch about her commitment is that UConn's just different and she wants to have as successful a college career as she can. And if she went anywhere else, it, there's absolutely no chance she could be as successful as she can be at UConn just because of not only the talent around her, but the history that the staff has of developing players to their full potential. And the 11 national championships speak for themselves pretty much. Right, exactly. Like this coaching staff just has an amazing reputation and obviously very well earned. I love national championships don't come without that. But, and I think in terms of, you know, preparing for the next level too, because right, these players' goal is ultimately to, you know, win as many championships as they can at UConn, but then also move on to the WNBA level. And I think the success of the pipeline from UConn to the WNBA is pretty much unmatched. I mean, you see it in the coaches and stuff on draft day. I think it was like on the, New York Liberty's like pre-game or pre-draft show this year they had the I forget if it was their coach or GM on but talking about how like there's just a certain level of like readiness that UConn players have when they get to the WNBA when they get to the next level and I think it's this it speaks to how well obviously Gino and CD prepare them for that level but players are really easily able to come kind of straight out of UConn into the WNBA and make an immediate impact I mean look at what Crystal Dangerfield was able to do as a 16 pick this year. So I think it just speaks volumes to how well prepared you can be for that next level, which is obviously I'm sure something that factored into that decision and why some of the best players continue to come to UConn. You've also got different generations of talent for UConn. So you've got the two older guards of Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi who have been around for forever and who have been really, really good for forever. Then the Tina Charles and Maya Moore kind of in between years and more recently Stewie, Fisa, and Crystal Dangerfield. Like they've got such a long span of time represented with pretty consistent contributions 
in the WNBA where it's not like they've had a lull where, oh, UConn really doesn't have a huge impact on the WNBA right now. Like it's constant and every single year UConn players are competing for the end of the year awards or on teams that are fighting for the championships. It's every single year, which as you said, nobody else can really match that. Exactly. Like you could have made an argument for three UConn players to be on first team all WNBA this year didn't happen, but like there was an argument for Stewie, there was an argument for Nafisha, and there was an argument for Tarasi. Um, I don't think any other school can say that. I can tell you for sure that no other school could say that. So it's just, it speaks to, you know, how good these players are when they come out of school. Yeah, for sure. And then I think the AZ and Page dynamic is going to be really fun. Well, actually, so our photographer slash multimedia editor slash does everything else for us. Ian Bethune mentioned to me this week that because the NCAA gave all winter athletes a blanket waiver this year, Paige Beckers technically has five years of eligibility, which means in theory, she could play all four seasons with AZ. <laughs> I, mean, I like would be kind of surprised if she did it because it doesn't make a ton of sense. But like, if you wanted to try to win five championships, I guess that's something that's never been done before. <laughs> right. Like that's something that's never been done before and will never be done again. If somehow exactly. <laughs> she pulls it off. But yeah, I obviously, I don't think it's super likely just because she's, she could probably, I mean, this is really getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> she can leave early for the WNBA after her junior year. It's way too early to make any predictions on that based on how her career goes or what her mindset will be then. But I guess I wouldn't be surprised if she still decided to come back for a senior year, even if she was projected to go high. I think stretching it to five years is a little much just because obviously the WNBA doesn't pay out the way men's sports do, but it's still making money for being a athlete. And I guess that could change if the national or the name likeness and image rules change for the NCAA where players can make money off their own likeness. If Paige Beckers can do that in college, she could also be playing in the WNBA, making money for that on top of getting all that money for her likeness as a professional athlete. So it's more of a thing that's fun to think about Paige and AZ for four years and how much that would just terrorize college basketball than something that I actually think is going to happen. Right, exactly. It's fun to think about. It probably won't happen. It probably shouldn't happen. Like she should go on to the next level, but um, it's it's still fun to think about. Right. Like imagine if all of a sudden Brianna Stewart got to her senior year and was like, oh, actually I have an extra year. I'm going to take that. <laughs> like UConn won that game, won every single game that next season, aside from the Tulane game and obviously the Mississippi State game by like 15 points anyways so it would have been like 60 point blowouts every single night I mean pretty much how the 2016 season went anyways but it would I think there would be riots in the streets from other coaches in the women's college basketball world if that were actually to happen yeah can you imagine thinking like oh we've got a chance next year (laughs) just kidding (laughs) (laughs) you thought you thought wrong But yeah, it's going to be a fun dynamic for four years. It was interesting finally hearing Paige talk about how she, quote, recruited AZ. I did actually see, I think Paige's, not Paige's, AZ's dad said that Paige didn't push AZ too much on it. But Paige said that 
her biggest points were basically being able to play with each other and that Paige knows AZ's game so well that if they played each other, AZ wouldn't be able to do anything because Paige would just shut her down, which is hilarious from Paige. And then also Paige mentioned like, well, yeah, if you come to UConn, we can do the, we can do dancing videos, TikToks, like that is going to be a content machine for hopefully at least three years. Like <laughs> just the content alone is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. I found it amusing in the, I think it's W Slam that's doing the show about AZ and her team and stuff. And like the amount of TikTok videos they record is insane. <laughs> so I'm sure like with the two of them together, it's just going to be like TikTok central. The whole team will be in it, I'm sure. So <laughs> funny content. I'm always down for more good social media content. So obviously excited about that part, but mostly excited to see the two of them on the court together. Right. Well, UConn also in their first official announcement of the team all together on Twitter, used a TikTok to, to do it. And it was a great TikTok. Like, it seems like, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, that UConn's usage of high-quality TikTok videos and Paige Becker's arriving on campus, I don't know if those two things are connected, but I feel like they might be. <laughs> I feel like it. It's possible. I feel like it could also just be the fact that like TikTok is fairly new and there hasn't been much TikTok to record up until Paige Becker's arriving on campus considering <laughs> everyone was in quarantine. But yeah, there's, there might be something there. They're just going to be really fun to watch together because I know that some of the best UConn teams we've seen, they just have such an incredible level of chemistry that I think gets a little taken for granted. Like Whenever I try and explain just how good UConn is to people that aren't super familiar with the program, there's just this one play. I can't remember what year it was. It was either Stewie's senior year or the year after that where the opposing team shot a three or something. It got rebounded, and then UConn pulled off a fast break going the other way where every single player touched the ball except the ball didn't touch the floor once. It was just five passes all the way to the hoop. And to this day is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on a basketball court. So I think the fact that a freshman can come in and already have that level of chemistry with another player on the team, as we've said a million times, it's so hard to play at UConn as a freshman. So having as any advantage that you can is going to help out. And I think the fact that Paige is going to be there with her is just going to help ease AZ in a little more and get her going quicker than maybe she would have somewhere else yeah for sure having those connections is going to be a big deal and then like you said when these teams have a chemistry like the offense is always just insane I think we've seen it not last year obviously but in most of your UConn teams that display a lot of really beautiful offense like the team chemistry off the court and then translates to on the court and that's what kind of makes that work so it'll be really exciting to see that Speaking of chemistry, not this past availability, but the one before Gino said that he doesn't think the team's chemistry is clicking on the court as well as it's clicking off the court. Kristen Williams was not happy about that. He, <laughs> she was very adamant that she felt like this team's clicking well on the court and there's just still some bumps that they have to smooth out because they have so many new players. But she like actively disagreed with his assessment that their chemistry on the court isn't quite there yet. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I think if Kristen thinks their chemistry is there, it's probably a good sign that it's it's somewhat there, at least. I mean, Gino obviously has a reputation for being pretty hard on everyone. So 
what he thinks is not there but might not be totally accurate and honestly I think that's one of the first like negative things we've heard him say this season which is surprising but um I feel like it's it helps that Kristen thinks it's there right she's been around the program for two years now she's got a feel for where things should be at um right so I think that's a good sign to hear her say that right and she's also established a pretty good reputation as being someone who I don't want to necessarily say just says what's on her mind, but she's usually pretty honest with her assessment of either her play or how she thinks the team's doing. And she thinks from her perspective, she thinks this year's offense is going to be really fun, which I have to agree with her if things (laughs) go well, just because there's so many different ways. I think they're going to be able to attack the basket. Like if we just look, take the starting lineup as the five upperclassmen, Avina, Kristen, Aubrey, Anna and Olivia you've basically got one and a half point guards out there with Avina who's a more true point guard even though some people think she's a small forward and then Kristen who can play the point if necessary even though she's better off the ball you've got those two then you've got Anna who's obviously shown off her court vision and can pass the ball really well and then live down low who's pretty good at swinging the ball through the post and then Aubrey who can just cause general havoc on the court someone you always need I think there's just going to be so many ways that they can try and get to the basket or get open shots or just attack defenses whereas last year everything kind of had to go through Crystal and correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was the Baylor game where Crystal literally came over to Gino and said we can't run plays we just have to try and do offense on our own because the because the plays weren't working people on the court didn't know the plays and I really don't think that's going to be an issue this year because if anything, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ewing effect, the idea that when a star player leaves a team, they get better because they were overly reliant on that star player. I feel like last year for a lot of the season, that might've been the case with crystal Dangerfield, where she knew the offense so well, she could run it so well. And because of that, everyone else on the team kind of leaned on her maybe a little too heavily to kind of guide them through when things got rocky and it's a lot of of pressure to put on a single player I don't don't know how many players could thrive in a situation like that so now that there's no clear-cut point guard I think it's going to help them that pretty much everyone has to chip in in that regard agreed I think it will too and I think all these players have the ability to do it it's just a matter of like when you had crystal there that was kind of always the floor general it's easier to just lean on her um and now that's not an option. So it just forces them to figure that out. I think while we're on the topic of point guards too, I feel like I'm really interested to see kind of what level Avina is at as she kind of gets back on the floor, but went down a rabbit hole of all of her stats and <laughs> videos and stuff this weekend. And I think from that, like I'm more excited to see her on the court than I was before. I think she just has such an interesting game because she's, she's a point guard, but she's also six feet tall. So that's totally kind of changes up her game from like what Crystal Dangerfield's game is so she's an excellent outside shooter but then you add the fact that if you watch her highlights and stuff from Tennessee there's so many plays of her cutting through defenders into the basket Um, kind of she has to be guarded on all spots of the floor so I think that's going to be fun to watch is she six foot flat yeah she is six foot flat I wasn't sure if she was six foot one but yeah UConn really hasn't I mean you look at their last two point guards and it's been Crystal Dangerfield, who's very small, even though 
strong but small <laughs> and then mariah jefferson who didn't exactly have all the height in the world so it's definitely a different look for them to have a point guard with some size and more physical point guard where i think both crystal and mariah relied a lot more on their quickness and it seems like Avina's more comfortable playing physical and kind of getting into the lane and drawing fouls if I, is that what you saw from her Tennessee tape? Yeah, for sure. She's definitely seems very comfortable in the lane, and she has the size to be doing that. I mean, Crystal in the lane, you've got a really good chance of your shot being blocked. <laughs> Pretty much anyone can block that shot. But, um, yeah, Avina looks very comfortable in the lane, draws fouls quite a bit, um, but then also still can obviously step out and hit three. She's shot like 38%, I think, from deep uh, her sophomore year at Tennessee, so strong three-point shooter. Um, so, yeah, kind of both sets of skills there so it should be fun to watch yeah and staying on the topic of point guards pretty much every time I hear something new about Nika I just think she's going to be better and better so there's a good story in the current today where Gino and CD talked about a lot of the freshmen and Nika got compared to Jen Rosati which is a pretty pretty good comparison (laughs) I think you can make the argument that Jen Rosati might be the second best point guard in program history behind Sue Bird if we're not counting Diana Taurasi as a true point guard. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that she could start at point guard. I think it might just be tough for her to get past both Paige and Avina at that spot. But from what everything that I've seen to this point about Nika, and I didn't realize that you had in your guard preview on the blog that she led the Croatian league that she was playing in in assists last season, right? Yeah, she did. It was, I think, I forget what the number was. Maybe it was like five point something assists per game. But yeah, she read the, it's, I think, the Adriatic League or like the AB, or I forget what the abbreviation is. But anyway, um, it's a Eurobasket recognized league and she led it in assists. So really impressive. I think she plays a very big role this season, even though there's such a backlog at point guard, because what we know about Gino Ariama is that he's not going to just leave someone on the bench because there's not necessarily a spot for her. If she's playing very well and can help the team, he's going to find some way to get her in the game. And like we talked about, that can just make the offense 10 times more creative and dynamic and multi-headed that I think above all else, regardless of how good this team might actually be, I think they're going to be very, very fun to watch at the at least. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. I think the offense is just going to be a lot of fun. They just have so many different options that they can plug in there. Um, So that's going to be fun. It might take a little bit for everything to come together, uh, but I think it's, it's going to be a fun team to watch develop. Right. Sticking with the freshmen, I think I have mentioned this before, but I think Mir McLean and Aubrey Griffin are probably in very similar positions like if you compare to where Aubrey was as a freshman last year at this time, or I guess whatever the comparable time to last year and now is, but last year, Gino basically was saying that Aubrey has flashes where she's really, really good at times. And then other times she looks like she has no idea what she's doing and she has no idea how good she she is. And she even surprises herself sometimes. And for Mir, it kind of seems like she's in a similar spot where, she surprises the coaching staff and her teammates at times with her athleticism and her speed and her tenacity to go grab rebounds, but it's not very consistent. And last year, Aubrey was the, played the six most minutes on the team. 
I think even if Mir is the best possible version of herself as a freshman, I think it's going to be really hard for her to crack the top eight in the rotation. Just if you have all the upperclassmen playing the way we expect them to, if Paige is as good as everyone seems to say she is, if Nika is performing the way that everyone said she is, I, I don't know. I, I think just think it might be tough for her to bump any of those people above her. I don't think I mentioned Aaliyah Edwards either. She seems pretty locked in for some big minutes. So I think her role might just be a more diminished version of Aubrey last year, where if things are a little sluggish or the team is struggling on the boards or needs help defensively, she can just kind of come in and run around and cause chaos everywhere on the court and just make life miserable for opposing teams. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for a freshman because you don't want to load them up with too much early in their career, but you do want to give them a role that they can find and get comfortable in as a way to kind of introduce them into the college game. So if she's playing, I don't want to put a number on it, but however many minutes a game, just as a spark plug off the bench, I think that would be a really good piece for you kind of have. For sure. I mean, I think we saw Aubrey do it last year. I mean, there was, you can point to the Seton Hall game, the Tennessee game where like, they, UConn needed that like spark plug off the bench and she was that and she did it and she had huge games, but they weren't necessarily, even though she was the sixth player in the rotation, weren't necessarily relying on her to have a huge night every night. I think McLean's in an even better position that she can kind of fill that same role, but there's way less reliance on her having a huge night. It's really just like, can you go in and disrupt, get some rebounds, get some steals, um, pester teams on defense without the pressure to like are you also going to score and are you also going to do this so I think she's it's a good role for a freshman to be able to come into probably what the role Aubrey in an ideal situation would have come into but just with the roster situation last year like she had to do more right I think what's going to be really interesting about this freshman class as a whole is as you mentioned UConn kind of relied on Aubrey last season they needed her to come up in big spots but I think there's enough of a base with the four returning players and then five if Avina proves that she's part of that group too, that you don't need these freshmen to be on every single night, but you have five of them, six if you count Autumn. Although I just have a hard time seeing her getting playing time as a walk-on freshman with so many players ahead of her. But with the five scholarship freshmen, there's a good chance that at least one, if not two, maybe even three are gonna have a good night and even if a couple of them have off nights and don't play a whole lot there's enough versatility in that group and enough overlap where as long as one or two are on it's not like UConn's totally dead in the water whereas if last year UConn played say Tennessee and Aubrey was just a non-factor there's a chance not guaranteed but there's a chance UConn doesn't win that game against Seton Hall or UConn doesn't win that game against Tennessee or both Anna and Aubrey last year played major roles in helping UConn win where they didn't show up the way they did. UConn could have lost. Whereas I think there's enough stability with the upperclassmen where the freshmen are only going to have to play bit parts and be role players and just whatever contributions you get from them are just going to put UConn over the top even more. Agreed. There's just so much more room for error this season in that respect of you've got established players that are going to carry the weight. So the freshmen are more plugging in there. And there's also just so many more of them, right? Like it was just Anna and Aubrey where you've got five scholarship freshmen. So you've got 
bunch of different options and as long as one of two of them are on you're going to be fine even in probably a big game you're going to be in it so I think the biggest thing is just finding ways for figuring out who's on night tonight but then finding a way to come march like that you've got a couple that are consistently able to plug in and make bigger contributions but early on it's there's plenty of kind of experience on this team that there's some room for error with the freshmen for sure Right. And I think that's part of what makes this season so exciting is that you've got a lot of players on the depth on the bench for depth that possibly can do something. Whereas last year, like if UConn was struggling, Evelyn Adebayo wasn't going to bail them out, but Tuli Kamara wasn't even really healthy enough to be playing more than three minutes in any game when she did return. Kyla Irwin, Molly Bent, they, those players weren't going to be difference makers on any given night. They could, as Molly did against Seton Hall and Kyla did at different points throughout the season they could come in and do a job that they needed to do to help UConn but I think that every single one of the freshmen on this team can have a night this year where they're the focal point or the turning point and the reason that UConn goes to victory the way that as we mentioned Aubrey and Seton Hall or Anna against ECU where she hit, what was it, eight threes and only missed a couple. There's so many options for where these players can break out and help the team, whereas I think on a lot of the bench last season, there wasn't really that possibility. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think you've just got so much depth in this bench that anyone that comes off it has kind of the potential to make that impact and then like you said I think we're gonna see different players do that especially off the bat I think kind of as we go later in the season I think I'm sure we'll kind of come down to my guess would be like Paige and Ole are gonna be your kind of big impact players for freshmen but I don't think even I think come tournament time there's still potential that if they need sparks off the bench that it could be Mir, it could be Nika, like those players are going to be able to jump in and make an impact against even the best teams in the country. Yeah, for sure. So as I've said a million times on this show, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what this team is. Like we don't have any exhibition games. We don't have even first night where you have those mixed scrimmages to just get some sort of idea of what a player is. We don't get to look in and watch practice to get a glimpse. Like we really don't know anything and haven't seen anything from over 50% of the roster, more than that, seven, yeah, seven out of 11 players on this roster. We have never seen play for UConn in any capacity. So it's going to be such a mystery and those first two games at Mohegan Sun are going to be super eye-opening and it's going to be really fun to have some hot take overreactions from those. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm glad they have that Quinnipiac game to kind of just get a game under their belt before they have to have a top 10 opponent, but it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens. And then of course, you know, you've got that Mississippi State game and then the Louisville game just like a week later. So we're going to have, I mean, hot takes, but also just like a very good idea, I feel like, of kind of how good these players are and aren't and where they're at, like, pretty quickly in the season. Right, because I remember specifically with that 2017 class, the first few games when we saw those players, the Megan Walker, Michaela Coombs, Andre Spinoza Hunter, and Lexi Gordon class, I just remember the first times they came on the court and me seeing them, and it was just like... I can't imagine any of these players doing anything this season. And Megan Walker had had a couple bright spots that season, but none, no one else on that 
recruiting class ever really had a decent game for UConn. So I don't think the first appearances are the end-all be-all, but you do get a somewhat of a feel for what they're going to do for their freshman season and beyond. Right. And I think even in this season, probably the first appearances are even less than all be all than they normally are, because obviously the kind of start to the season and how much they got to do for preseason type work was disruptive. So things I think can be expected to be a little behind where they would normally be. But still, I think you, like you said, you get a good, pretty good first impression from that first game or two of just like how things go. Not even from like a freshman perspective, but I feel like you could say that of last season, right? Like that first game against Cal, I feel like that was a oh, really yeah. good indicator of how the season was going to go and it was not great. So like, <laughs> you, you yeah, get a tone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I could totally see this happening though, where we're talking so much about how we're so excited to see how much depth there's going to be. But even against a team like Quinnipiac, I really wouldn't be surprised if just because of such how weird the preseason's been there's been no exhibition games and nothing like that if Gino pretty much sticks with his four returners or or maybe Avina in there too those five players for most of the game and then the freshmen kind of get minutes here and there where those four returners are pretty much on the court for 35 minutes just because there's so much uncertainty and he doesn't want to overload the freshman with too much. So even if it's a big game, I I could just see us talking so much about the depth and being excited to see these players. And then the first game, even if it's a blowout, us not getting to see him a whole lot. Yeah. I could kind of agree with that. I could say, even if they beat Kunipiak by 35, 40 points, like I think that we might just see the, like whatever's going to be the core rotation that started off and, for what it's worth, I mean, they have to play Mississippi State the next day and then Louisville the following week. So, like, those games, like, we're probably just going to see, you know, the people that are ready to be out, you know, thinks are ready to be out there. And if you only got one game before that, like, it makes sense that you're going to – you need to get that group ready to be on the court again. I mean, Avina hasn't been a part of that group before, and then it's still been months since Olivia, Kristen – uh, Aubrey and Anna have been in the game together so you hope that they can kind of shake off all the rest of the stuff in that first game so that you're ready for that second game but we might not see a lot of depth until we hit Big East play the, after that Louisville game right because there's only so much you can really do with scrimmaging like if you have the four returners and like let's just say the five upperclassmen on one team for a scrimmage yeah they're probably going to kill the five freshmen <laughs> just obviously like that's not even a question so even if you have the male practice players and that's still not really a great feel for what a real team is going to look like so Quinnipiac is going to be the first time where the bullets are going to be live and I think you might just have to Gino might just have to play it safe and let the returners get their legs back under them because against Mississippi State and Louisville it's going to be those returners that carry the team the freshmen can have parts and are probably going to see an amount of minutes in those games, but it's going to be all about those returners and you need to make sure they're in form before you can start worrying about everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Well, either way, we're just over a week out from our first game. So keep our fingers crossed that we actually get to that point and that there's no more delays or postponements or shutdowns before then, which means this is also going to be our last podcast without basketball coming immediately after. So we have a lot to look forward to. 
for sure. I'm excited for the season to start. <laughs> I think we all are. I was talking <laughs> yeah. to one of my friends the other day and it was like, look, I don't, the only thing you have in Connecticut is in the winter is UConn basketball. Like exactly. if we don't have that, like how are we supposed to get through just the miserable months of January and February? Like my birthday is in February and it still sucks. Like it's the, they're just two terrible months up here buoyed by UConn basketball. So for the sake of all our sanity, we really need that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Next week, we'll have our preseason predictions podcast with fellow UConn blog editor Dan Madigan. So look ahead to that. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Conley. Make sure to subscribe to the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Subscribe to our podcast here on whatever podcasting app you use. Also leave us a review that helps share it with any UConn friends that you have. Megan, you got anything else? wear a mask so the season gets to go on as planned. That'll do it.